That's right. It's, it's great to be here, great to be together. Um, over the next three um, Sundays, we're going to be um, unpacking a little bit about where we're going um, over this coming season. Uh, we've entitled it What's Next. We're going to be uh, taking three particular subjects. But part, but part of the sort of foundation for going forward is also looking at what God has done in the past and rejoicing and being thankful for his goodness to us. What gives me confidence for pushing into new things is looking back and seeing his faithfulness over the past years. And so well, what we're going to do um, this morning is we're going to do a brief review of the last 12 months in church life. Emma's going to do that. Next week we're going to be looking at the whole um, area of the Hastings Centre and some of the progress we've made in that area. And then in the third week we're going to kick off the preach by looking at the whole area of giving and how God has provided for us um, over the last couple of years in that area. So the reason I just wanted to, uh, to, to mention this is because Emma's now going to just give us a bit of, of a review for the last um, 12 months. Look at the faithfulness of God, and I hope that that fuels us in our prayers and our energy as we look into all God's calling us to over these coming months and years. So, Em, why don't you give us a bit of a review of what God has been up to with us? Yeah, hello again. <laughs> um, well, this, it really has been a brilliant 12 months, hasn't it? Really exciting year. I really feel it has been a season where we've been stepping out as a church into new things, uh, just trusting God for more. We've seen people come to know Jesus We've seen healings. Uh, we've seen loads of visitors on a Sunday, just in all the other different things that we do. So it's quite hard to sum it all up, and uh, I maybe won't cover everything, but it is so good just to remind ourselves of what God is doing and what he will continue to do. So just, uh, just this time, a year ago roughly, we launched our first ever church worship album, which was really so significant for us as a church. And it was fantastic just to see our brilliant singers and musicians and everybody just stepping out into songwriting and producing. And I'm sure you'll agree, the Found A New album is, is such a beautiful and worshipful album. It's blessed our family. And uh, I know it's been really well received uh, just further afield as well. I don't know if you know this, but just recently Cross Rhythms magazine actually reviewed it and they gave it a 10 out of 10, which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And so, you know, these guys are great, our worship team, aren't they? We love them. So the album launch night was uh, really a key date, kind of a year back. And then not that long after that, we had a really brilliant Alpha Taster supper. We had about 100 people out there eating curry, uh, having a really good night, just as well watching sort of short clips from church members, just of how God has just transformed their lives. And from that, really went on to have just one of the best alphas. Uh, we had about 30 people sign up for the alpha, which was fantastic. And uh, just seeing people saved, seeing people healed, filled with the spirit across that course. Uh, we added 10 people to the church uh, as well, which was brilliant. Some of whom came and joined us recently in Ashburnham. So just great that God just continues to use alpha. It's such a great tool, isn't it? And we love it. So it's great to be looking forward to another one of those soon. And then back in November as well, we actually celebrated our 40th birthday as a church, which is amazing really, isn't it? And we had about 500 of us up here uh, celebrating that together. We had a delicious hog roast and uh, there was a child's entertainer. We had massive inflatables in here that the children and the adults were on, which was really good fun. And we had some really lovely videos from people who've been church members in the past and have sort of moved on and are all over the world now. And just hearing them sort of wishing us well, wishing us happy birthday and uh, praying for us as well was so, so encouraging. 
And then near Christmas time, we of course had our wonderful Christmas celebration, which we love. The guys do us so well pulling that together. And it was really a privilege this year. We were able to support Surviving Christmas, which is a really great local charity. And uh, so not only were we raising money for that, um, but actually we were able to give Surviving Christmas over 100 gift boxes um, just to bless local children, which is, can you imagine, you know, for those families, like receiving that would be such a huge blessing, wouldn't it? And it was great. We could get our children involved in doing that as well. And one of the things every year, what we want to do is we want to go deeper in our relationship with God as a church, don't we? And uh, so in January this year, we had the Father Heart Conference, which was great. Uh, We had Julian and Katja Adams Adams joining us for that, and uh, really believe that was significant for so many of us, just encountering God. and, And I feel just continuing to live in the good of that in some ways, actually, which is brilliant. And alongside of that, we have our wonderful Preach series. And uh, so we had Strengthen Yourself in God, if you can remember. And we did something a little bit new with that. We had uh, discipleship groups running as well. So just a chance in the week, just to take what we were hearing on the Sunday and really bed it in, really strengthen ourselves in God. And then we had our Acts of Courage series as well. So just challenging us all there to step out, to be courageous for God. And week on week, seeing the Acts of Courage wall out there, sort of filling up with the post-it notes and uh, children and adults writing up there. It was just so encouraging to see that. And just got some of them here to share with you. So I guess a child here is speaking about uh, t- talking to their teacher about God. And that's so bold, isn't it? Uh, someone here deciding to trust God for provision and not being anxious about money. Showing friendship to neighbours who have backstabbed us. Uh, Someone who put on a post-it note, they prayed for someone in the town centre to be healed. Inviting a boss to church, giving food to a homeless person. And from one of our children, praying out in the adult meeting uh, for the first time, which is really pretty scary. So for a child to do it, it's just so cool. Um, So that was a great series. And uh, we just want to continue as a church, just to show that love that we've received to to Hastings, to 1066 Country, to the place that we're part of. And uh, in fact, from September... Uh, last year through to August this year we were actually able to give out three days worth of food to over 3,700 people through the food bank which is amazing isn't it and actually 1,305 of those were children so just the blessing and the significance that has in a family Um, just so brilliant to be part of that And the CAP Debt Centre, which we're just privileged to be able to help run alongside of six other great churches in the town. That's been going brilliantly well. Fifteen local families are now completely debt-free through their contact with CAP. And again, just the difference for a family in, in knowing that their money is right is just amazing, isn't it? And eight people became Christians through that as well. So God continue to bless that, we pray. Um, And we've run some brilliant courses. Uh, We've run a parenting course. We've run two of those in the last year, actually. And we've had 18 people go through that. And only two of uh, the the parents on those courses were actually church members. So just so great that parents in the town are just coming to be encouraged, uh, just to support one another, just to be the best parents that we can be. So uh, we had contact with social services through those courses as well, referring people to us. Um, so just great to be able to continue to do that. And the marriage course, which we love, another great tool just to spend time out as a couple, just to focus on your marriage and strengthen it. It's so important. And the recent 
course this year had 14 couples, um, which is great. Not all church members again, so just blessing the community and strengthening marriage, which is great. And we've launched loads of new stuff. We've launched Move, which is our sort of dance classes for children and for adults available and open to everyone in the town, which is great. And that's been going well. We've also launched two new community groups. So we've launched Friends and Family and Relentless, and they're both going brilliantly well. We've launched small groups. So just another way of just sort of encouraging each other, finding fellowship, discipling one another. And they're going really well. And we have our wonderful link lunch and midweek meetings, some of our longest running ministries, but they're just continuing to flourish and bless everybody that comes along to those. We do Tuesdays, full up with children in here, Tots Club, and that's continuing to grow and develop. I think across the last year, it's something like 350 children that have come. Fortunately, not on the same morning, can you imagine? Um, But they've just come. They've just come and just uh, enjoyed uh, just playing with the quality uh, uh, toys and different equipment that we have, and just hearing a little bit about God's love for them as well at the end of a Tots morning. So that's great to see that developing. And with our children as well, we have wonderful Sunday morning children's work, don't we? We're so grateful for all you guys who support us in that, just encouraging our children just uh, to get to know Jesus in a really, really real way. And uh, so we have Energy, Engage, Tots and Fusion, and we love them. And some of those groups this year have joined in with the Acts of Courage series, which is great. And I just have a little um, prayer here. One of our 7 to 11s recently wrote this, God, thanks for all you've done and put in my life. I love you with all my heart. You have made captivating stuff. Thank you, Lord. And don't we make it so complicated sometimes? And then you hear that and you just think, that's what it's about, isn't it? And that's our kids, you know. It's brilliant. Uh, Not forgetting our beautiful teenagers and our youth. You're fantastic. And it's great to have the youth group going so well. Um, And they really have been stepping out this year. They've had two people come to know Christ. They've been prophesying over one another. Lots of recommitment. They've had a great time at New Day. Parents commenting, just seeing the changes and the growth in their children as well. So we love the youth and we're so pleased that's going so well. And just recently, three, about 300 of us, I think, um, went across to Ashburnham to camp. We had sunshine, which was amazing. And, uh, but it was so great just joining with New Ground, different families of churches, and just seeing our church family come together like that um, and just get some great teaching, great times of worship together. It's really good. And as for Sundays here... I really believe there is an increased sense of expectancy of what God will do. Um, And just seeing the evening meeting develop, that's really developing its own kind of identity and congregation. Lots of people involved on a Sunday evening who don't have much connection to a Sunday morning, which is great. So it's just developing its own unique flavor. And we've had loads of stories of healing this year, astonishing stories of healing, actually. And just, just to name a few, deaf ears being healed, scratched eyes being restored, ongoing bleeding stopped, a baby being healed in the womb and born at a normal, healthy size. Thank you, Lord. We are so grateful. Our God heals today, doesn't he? And we want to continue to pray in response to that. And just, just to finish, we've seen people responding to the gospel and which is so amazing, isn't it? We've seen recommitments as a church here on a Sunday morning. We've welcomed 39 people into church membership, 
which is great. We've baptized 27 people, which is great. And I just love baptism mornings. When you see the joy on people's faces, people baptizing spouses or family members, it's just so great. And just when people get that opportunity to share what God's done in their heart. You know, one dear lady recently just talking about actually she now knows Jesus Christ is her savior and it's no longer heroin that she had been addicted to. Thank you, God. We're so grateful, aren't we? So it really has been a great year and it is so good. Just, just reading this all through just in the week and things, I just feel so stirred that, that what a great church we have and what a great God that we have. And we're so full of expectancy for the next year. And it's just great. Um, just Paul's just going to lead us in what's next. And uh, it's just great to be expectant for what God's going to do, isn't it? Bless you guys. Good, isn't he? Isn't he absolutely amazing? I, I, felt, I felt it was a bit of a miserable response to the goodness of God, if I'm honest, from you guys. Can I, can I just encourage you, why don't we just clap God and thank him for his faithfulness and goodness? Wow, so good, so good. Right, I've just got to find, um, I've got to try and work out how to work this iPad-y thing. Looks like it's not going to behave itself at the moment, it's flicking all over the place. Anyway, my name is Paul, I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church. Um, It's my privilege to lead the team and as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to spend the next three weeks unpacking um, where we're looking to go as a church, what we feel God has placed on our hearts um, for the future. So um, I hope you're up for that. And we're going to sort of see um, where we go from there. Brilliant. As elders um, here, we've got a real desire that we would build a healthy church, a healthy congregation um, that brings the kingdom of God to our surrounding communities. I know you share um, that desire with us. It says in 1 Peter uh, 5 verse 2, Peter says, to local, um, uh, Peter says to local elders, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. And we really feel that God has given us a responsibility, a mandate to make sure that as a church we grow healthy. And as we are healthy, we overflow to the communities around us, bringing deliverance, salvation, Righteousness, justice, peace, joy, healing, comfort. We bring the kingdom of God to those we interact with on a daily basis. Church is God's plan. It's, it's, it's Christ's body for doing that. And, and I know that you know that our, our families... Our neighbours, our work colleagues, need God's grace. Just as we do, they do as well. They need the grace of God to flood into their lives. And even as we've heard a little bit from the last year, just some of the things that God's been doing, um, if you repeat that back the 39 years before that, haven't, haven't we got an incredible platform? 
I mean, haven't we got a rich heritage? And in some ways, if we don't take what God has already given to us and kick on with it, we're, we're, we're wasting something of the foundation that's been given to us. Don't you think? If we, if we don't build on what... This isn't we don't look around and say, oh, great, we're, we're pretty comfortable here. You know, we've got enough of us that I... You know, Enough of us here, gifted people, that you don't have to listen to me singing into the mic. Do you know what I mean? We've got some gifted musicians and, and lots of great people. And hey, we, we can settle here. But God has got much, much more for us. And we feel that the, the three areas being identified to us as elders that reflect what healthy church looks like. First one's making disciples. The second one is caring for the poor. And the third one is going on mission. And over the next three weeks, I just want to take one at a time and unpack what they mean for us as a church. They're not complicated to understand. I mean, many of you will have heard numbers of preaches on these things. They're not complicated to understand. Um, They're a lot harder to do than they are to intellectually understand. And so we want to um, unpack them again. This morning we're just going to be looking at the whole subject of making disciples. But you know, before we can make disciples, we need to know if we're a disciple ourselves first. And so that's where I want to pitch it today. I've got, I've got three questions that I want to answer, but I have a feeling I might only answer one. So we're going to look at the whole subject of making disciples. We've got three questions. First one is, what is a disciple? The second is, what does a disciple look like? And the third, like, third one is, how do I grow? How do we grow as a disciple? I, we'll see how we go, but we, we might not make our whole way through it. But we do, feel, we do feel prophetically by God, this is where we should be focusing. We had, uh, I, I had some words or some people came and shared with me um, and I feel it's just right, it's about 15 months ago, they shared words that we've spent a lot of time and effort focusing on the physical environment in which we meet in, the building. You know, we planned diligently for it, we prayed about it, we had countless planning meetings, we shared it with leaders, we shared it with you guys. You guys responded and probably changed your lifestyle in order to give generously, to, to, to pay for it. We got builders in. We had to, we, once we faced that way, now we face this way. We had scaffolding up at the back of the auditorium. There was a whole load of planning and diligence that took about three years to change the physical environment. And we feel God is telling us to spend the same amount of time and effort on looking at the spiritual environment in which we live in. That, that it's not just one, two or three preachers and then, hey, we've nailed that one, let's move on to the next thing. But actually, as a church, we're to focus on these things. We're to shape our lives around it. We're to be different. The very DNA, as it were, in the church is just to be looked at a little bit in order that as we plant out, the seed that gets planted out is healthy, reproducing, and brings a blessing to the communities around us. So what is a disciple? If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to pick it up in verse 17. 
words will come up behind me. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Not a bad question, is it? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I I find, I've read this passage so many times, but I heard it recently in a preach. I was down in Winchester, and I found it so provoking. I mean, this guy... This guy runs up to Jesus and kneels before him. Now, that's, that's not a bad start, is it? He, he, he doesn't want Jesus to walk off without him getting to him. He runs up to Jesus and he asks, he, he has an, an amazing question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, th- this, is, this is 10 out of 10 all the way through, you know, sort of. There's a humble, there's a, there's a humility, there's a keenness. He's asking the right question. Then Jesus says, well, look, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Now, I reckon this young man's done better than most of us. Do you know what I mean? He goes through the commandments. He says, well, I've kept them since my youth. Do you know what I'm doing pretty well. He's a good guy. If you read the parallel passage in Mark, he's not only a good guy, he's not only a rich guy, he's not only a humble guy, he's not only eager, he's not only asking the right questions, we find he's a ruler as well. He's, he's got authority. He's in some sort of local government there. I mean, this, this guy, you know, if, I don't, you know, don't mean it the wrong way. If I'm stood on the door like I do most Sunday mornings, a young, rich guy who's a local politician runs in, kneels before me and says, Paul, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think, wow, that's not a bad start, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's not like, Wow. But Jesus looks through all of that, all of that outward stuff that seems so good. And I mean, I find provoking. Can you, I think mean, I won't labor there. I've got to move it on. But you know what I mean? This is a good start. But Jesus looks through all of that. I mean, interesting, he says he looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, being a disciple of Jesus isn't predominantly about attending church or being good or stopping bad habits. It's not about adding a few good works to your life. It's about following Jesus. It's about who is king of your life. Is it Jesus or is it something else? It's not complicated to understand. I think if we had had five or six-year-olds in here and, and we explained this story to them, I think they'd get it. 
I think probably they'd find it a lot easier to obey than most of us. It's interesting that, that just before this story is the whole account where, where the little children are gathering around Jesus and the disciples push them away and say, no, no, you, sh- you shouldn't come. And actually Jesus says, no, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There's something about the simplicity of the gospel that doesn't make it easy, but it is simple. The rich young man was a good person. But he wasn't willing to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus. Ultimately, he didn't believe that the riches Christ would provide were of more value than the money in his bank account. He didn't believe that the riches found in Christ and Christ alone were as of great value as the money in his bank account. And this isn't just some cold, hard-hearted interaction. It says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus genuinely cared for this young man. He wanted him to come through. As he does with you. But I guess it was revealed to Christ that this young man had an idol on the centre of his life. At the centre of his life. And it was the love of money. You can't follow Jesus if you're following something else. You can't have Jesus and a love of money on the same throne. There isn't room for both. Now, I don't want you to get distracted here. It's not everyone who follows Jesus has to give everything away. The Bible doesn't say that. But it is interested even with Zacchaeus that short little tax collector, that on receiving Christ, it says, I give away half my possessions, and if I've defrauded anyone, and I think he defrauded quite a lot of people, I'll pay them back three or four times the amount. The gospel often does get to the wallet. The heart of being a disciple is that you're following Jesus. That's where it starts. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're a disciple. You might be an immature one, but you are a disciple. To be a disciple means I'm saying that everything I've trusted in in the past, every idol I've committed myself to idols aren't just little stone statues that people put garlands around that's not not the only type of idol that exists an idol is anything that you cannot live without that isn't God so if you had to think of living without that particular thing let, let me take an example you may find that you have made an idol of your smartphone. A study done in the States says that most college students spend nine hours a day looking at their phone. They do not know how to live without interaction with their phone. Facebook, Twitter, what do people think about me? What's going on in the world? I don't know how I'm going to survive without it. Even now while I'm doing what I think is a rather stonking preacher, at least I'm trying... 
A whole load of you are interacting with different things as well, distracting. Well, I'll do a little bit of the preaching, I'm going to do a little bit of Facebook, and I'm going to do a little bit of something else. What idols? What idols are you living with? What is it that you cannot live without? For some of you, it will be money. Men, is gathering and accumulating wealth and security and spending money on what you want to spend it on, is that your idol? Is it your hobbies? More and more hobbies for me to do, my leisure time. Is it what you watch on your screens? I was going to say TV, but that's a bit old-fashioned now, isn't it? You can can watch stuff pretty much anywhere and everywhere, but but is Jesus at the centre of your life? Or actually, do you say, no, Jesus, you can have all of this, like that rich young man, but this one area, no, you cannot have that. No, no, no. I do feel a little uncomfortable about some of those things that I'm watching, but, but Jesus, you've got the rest of me. You, you can't have that. I've just let it slide. Maybe it's your sexuality. You, 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 you do love Jesus, but you, just, you cannot line up with what it says in the Bible about sexuality and sex life, and you say no. Jesus, I'm, I'm following you in all of this, but... In this area, I'm still Lord of my life. I'm still going to go this way. Maybe it's your comfort. I think for me, comfort can become an idol. I'm happy to follow Jesus as long as it's not too uncomfortable. That's one of the reasons why I I, I was provoked to go into town and start talking to people about Jesus. It's not because I'm good at it. My first attempt was absolutely miserable and embarrassing. I went with Joe. You know, Joe's you know, really calm, very encouraging. So there's a whole group of us, but we paired up and we went out. We went to the train station and we were looking for someone with a green coat. I felt there's someone with a green coat. I thought there's not going to be anyone with a green coat at this train station. I'm absolutely fine. There was hundreds of people with green coats at the train station. But you can talk to Joe. None of them were right for me to go and talk to. And in the end, a few sort of poor basic words jittered out of my mouth to two students, one of them wearing a green coat. I think they just spoke to me because they felt sorry for me. But comfort for me is a big thing. I'll do anything for you, Jesus, if it doesn't interrupt my personal comfort. As long as I'm having an easy life, I'm with you, Jesus, the whole way. I'll go to the cross with you, Jesus, as long as it's not uncomfortable. Success, that's another one for me. Jesus, I'm with you the whole way as long as I'm successful. But if I'm not successful, Jesus, I I don't know, I'm, I'm starting to feel a bit uncomfortable about you taking me this way. What's the idols in your life, church? If you ran up to Jesus, knelt before him and said, what must I do, Jesus, to follow you? If he were to respond back to you, what's the thing he's going to ask you? What's the thing he knows? He knows it. It doesn't come as a shock to him. And you might just think, oh, Paul, why'd you start off a new academic year being so challenging and difficult like? It's because Jesus was challenging and difficult. 
He said, if you want to follow him, you've got to pick up your cross and follow him. It costs you everything. There are no no no-go areas. And you think, oh, there is. I've been living with this one for 10 years. Well, Jesus hasn't let go of it yet. He's still after you. He's pursuing you. He wants all of you. Do you count the riches found in Christ of greater worth than anything found in this world? Therefore, it's a logical thing to hand it and say, no, Jesus, I'm following you. To be a disciple at its heart is a radical commitment. What area in your life is a no-go area for Jesus at the moment? If I said to you, I'll go with this one because I know it's a big one. If I said to you, I want you to live without your smartphone for the next month. Turn off the Wi-Fi, turn off the 4G. You can have it as a phone, just a phone, nothing else. How would you do? I reckon withdrawal symptoms by lunchtime. Are you more reliant on your mobile phone than you are on Jesus? Do you have the same withdrawal symptoms? If you haven't worshipped, if you're not seeking him in prayer, if you're not opening the word and being fed by the word of God, if you're not connecting with this wonderful church family worshipping together, do you miss it? I know you do, John. You're a star. Isn't it sad if you have greater withdrawal symptoms from not being connected to 4G than you do not being connected with Jesus in a real way? That's rubbish, isn't it? How can that be? How can life have got down to that? That O2 is more important to you than Jesus. The world needs something different. The world needs a light on a hill that's shining bright because absolutely we are a bit nutty. We love Jesus. And we can't live without him. We display something of Christ-likeness. What are those areas that are not God but you cannot live without? What are they? I am labouring it because I've given up on the other two points. So I've got time to really sock it to you. What is it though? Can I invite the band back up? What we're going to do, I want to give you a prior warning. We've got the bread and wine on the tables in front. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour, don't take the bread and wine because it doesn't really mean anything to you at all. It's not a religious act. It's a, it's a response to the fact that Christ died for my sin. He's cleansed me from it. And I am now in communion with him. You know, when we take the bread, it's like we're saying, I'm united with Jesus Christ. Um, I, just as I eat the bread which represents his body, actually, I live because I'm united with Christ. I feed on him. I'm attached to the vine. I'm the branches. He is the vine. So if you don't know Jesus, don't take the bread and wine. It won't mean anything to you. But I'm going to be a bit pushy with you guys here. If there is some area in your life that God has highlighted to you and you're not willing this morning to make a decision to follow Christ rather than that, I'd ask you not to take the bread and wine this morning. It's an opportunity for you to 
Test your own heart. But if you want to say, no, actually, I'm going to use the bread and the wine as an opportunity to freshly commit to following Jesus Christ. At at its heart, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Why don't we stand? Hastings, Bexhill, Rye, Hawkehurst. They need men and women who are totally sold out on Jesus. That's what we need. They don't need a church addicted to 4G. They need a church addicted to Jesus Christ. The band are just going to strum a little bit in the background, a bit quiet-like, and I'd just like you just to close your eyes and just ask, invite the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to you if there's any areas in your life where you just need to give them back to Jesus again. This isn't a heavy thing. It says in, in, in Mark 10, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It's not because he doesn't want you to have fun. He loves you too much to stay the same. <laughs>